0: Afternoon Connect. We're almost there. We're almost there. Yeah, we are there. <laughs> I've been here since six, so I don't know about you guys. <laughs> My name is Pastor Derek, and uh, I want to welcome you guys. I hope you guys are ready to have uh, a good time to break bread, kind of get in the Word. Is everybody ready for that? Yeah. What a great worship service so far, though. Can we give it up for our worship team? What a great job they've done! I'm so blessed. I feel so blessed, you know what I mean? I joke around all the time, but like when I go to heaven, I'm coming back here on the weekends, you know what I mean? Like, is that good, Is that good. <laughs> um, anyway, we're going to kick off a series, as you can tell, called Don't Do Life Alone. I'm really excited to uh, talk to you about, kind of have a fresh word, never preached this before, some new stuff I've never shared before. It's been ministering to me, actually each service for the last like 10 days and just kind of really stoked about that. But uh, a couple of other things I wanted to tell you uh, before we get going. Um, one, uh, today's a big day, um, and I want to thank you for being here on No Excuse Sunday, uh, making the third service a priority. Um, for those of you who are coming to this service, I-, I really, from the bottom of my heart as your pastor, thank you for... If it's possible to continue to make this service your service, that helps us as a church as we're growing. Our second service has no more room. And uh, if you have a guest, just come to whatever you want. But if this this works for you, I just want to say thanks. This makes a big difference for us as we grow. We are making plans in the future. We are working behind the scenes to deal with growth. So you just need to know that. That's all I can tell you right now. Uh, It's a little cray-cray behind the scenes, okay? (laughs) So, thank you. Okay, second thing I wanted to say, kind of on a just uh, cool factor, um, we, uh, we blessed another church this morning, uh, I think last week, for those of you, who, how many here last week? If you are here last week, you saw that uh, we had a church that's planting in Wyndham, Maine. Uh, Tanya and uh, Adam Harold are planting the Refuge Church on March 5th, and we've been strong supporters of them. I'm their pastor. This is their home church. They've been communing for Maine. How many know a church alive is worth the drive? So that's serious commitment, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, our, our frequency in seeing them is going to be lessened, and so we wanted to pray for them and bless them because they're ramping up to launch on the 5th. Well, the first service, we had another church that we're supporting uh, called C3 Equippers Church. They are launching on March 5th as well in Braintree, Massachusetts. And so uh, Alan and Jesse Henderson will be planting the church uh, very near to us, and they are very dear to us. And we, you, have been strong supporters of them, Uh, in prayer, in relationship, but also in financial resources. And so I just wanted to let you know about them, be praying for them. You can follow them on social media and track them, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. They're all up with all that kind of stuff. But uh, I also want to thank you because of your faithful contributions to the vision of this church. We're able to strategically support, not only through the Association of Related Churches. In other words, we give on a monthly basis, 2% of our total revenues goes to planting churches all over the country. In fact, we've been, you've been responsible for planting 685 churches. Your part has helped make that possible within our country. Isn't that amazing? But, but, but it gets better. I wanted you to know on top of that monthly contribution, we carve out even more resources to be able to help churches that are in New England. And so sometimes people that we have strategic partnerships or relationships with, or even people that sometimes they want a pastor and there's something that happens that's just God thing, I don't know how to explain it. So the last two churches that I just mentioned, we're, we're really like, we're like their local home church. And so we give above that. And that's because you're faithful. So I just want you to know your resources are not only making a difference in Connect, but we are planting other life-giving churches that will in turn do the same thing that Connect is doing. That's good resources. That's good use of funds. That's good stewardship. And so I want you to give yourselves a big hand for that. Amen? So I just think that's cool. I think you need to know that once in a while. Amen. All right, get your worship guides out. You can follow along um, with that physically. It's a little thing like this, and it's... Yeah, and then there's also a uh, U version. You can follow along on U version if you like your, your digital app for that. Um, and uh, I'm so excited to talk to you about this. Every service has just been a little bit more nugget. I get out of it, a little more blessing. I get out of it. And I hope you will too. When you started the first of the year, how many, like, kind of your know, goal setters? Anybody set some goals? New Year resolutions? Yes? No? Five of you. Nobody wants to admit it because you know you're already struggling with them. You're like, I ain't raising my hand because he's going to ask me how I'm doing. I know, built-in accountability for that. So, so what happens is you start your year off, and maybe the first week you got a certain amount of momentum and traction. Second week, it's kind of like starting to slow down, you know. You from fourth gear to third to second to one, oh my gosh, we're going into park. And you start freaking out. And so what happens a lot of times is in that place, you start doing this comparison thing. We all do it. We all do it. We all compare. We, we, co- we come into the parking lot. We park beside somebody. We're like, Dang! Look at that car. You know what I mean. I'm, I'm, I'm wonder how much bank he makes. You know. And then you come in the church and you you look up and you size somebody up and down like, look at them shoes and look at them. We're always comparing, aren't we? You don't want to admit it, but you do it. Don't just leave me hanging up here by myself. And so we do this with other parts of our life. Not as superficial. Sometimes we do it with the goals we've set. Like I wanted to lose a few extra pounds. And, and I found a couple of them <laughs> last week again. And, and, and you want to like, get more discipline in your eating. You want to spend more time reading your Bible. And it just seems like that, 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 that thing begins to decline. But you look at other people, it looks like they're going great. And so you compare yourself to them. And you wonder subconsciously, what major changes, what big things am I going to have to do to look like them, be like them, behave like them, have kids that behave like them, all the above? And I want to submit something to you. It's not a big thing. In fact, write this down. It's often the small things that no one sees that create or result in the big things that everyone wants. It's these small tweaks that can help us go to higher peaks or, you know, those those higher elevations in and through your life. And so to make life better, whatever that is for you, you can have it. You can lose weight, you can get more disciplined, you can spend more time with God, you can be successful in the business world, you can prosper in your soul, but a lot of times it's not a massive change, it's just a small change. And the one small thing that you can influence is your relationships. Your relationships. Say, pastor, you're going to do another message on relationships. Yes, because it's so important because the first portion of the year we spent a good amount of time in our series called Text, helping the 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 vitality of your relationship with God. Not only you to God, but God to you. So you to God is prayer. God to you is reading his word. That's when he talks to you. He talks to you through his word. Yes or no? And so we want to give us this day our daily bread. We want to get in the word. And hopefully your devotional life is becoming more vibrant. But now we're moving as a church. I want you to know we're kind of on a journey as a church throughout this whole year. And so the first part is about this. This series is about this not just about your vertical relationship with God it's about your horizontal relationships with others in fact you can't say this is all good ooh me and god it's awesome and it not translate or transfer down to the relationships you have horizontally so this series is about that is everybody tracking yeah. okay so we can have that all right but it's critical that we have the right relationships your relationships are currently shaping your life your friendships are fashioning you you are the sum total of your choices, your decisions, your experiences, but you're more than anything—you're the sum total of your relationships, the people that you're doing life with, the people that you've kind of let come into your lane. And so, if you're struggling with certain things, things that are coming out of your mouth, decisions that you're making—you know—it's it's probably because who's running alongside you. If you're if you're being successful, you're breaking through lids in life, and you're going to new heights, and you're seeing progress in certain things. It's because who you're running with, who's alongside you. And the devil knows that. God wants to help you be successful by sending a relationship into your life to help you be successful. But the devils he's not omniscient, but he's intelligent. And he'll send people into your life to destroy you, relationships to destroy you. And so here's, write this down. Here's the thing. Your potential is is connected to the company you keep. Your potential, the output, the outcomes, the, 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 the influence that you will have, your sphere and how wide and expansive it will be is connected to who you, who you run with. In fact, Proverbs 13 tells us this in the message. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools. Look at this. It says, watch your life fall to pieces. Hmm. If you look back at your life in the, uh, I don't know, the last week, the last month, months, year, and you review some of the mistakes, problems, you know, sideline, derailed moments of your life. I bet you, bottom dollar, I bet you it's because of who is in your life, who you're running with. And if you're growing as a person, it's because of those relationships. So we're going to study a guy That you've heard of before. You've either heard of him from church, from your own Bible reading, or you heard of him because you watched him on television as a young child or her young man and young woman. But you may not know that his life was marked um, and his life was... Um, affected by certain wrong relationships, and it actually got him in a very wrong place, a very difficult destination as a result. In fact, he was separated from God because of these relationships. He was separated from his purpose or destiny in God, and ultimately, he actually gave up on on himself. That's the worst kind of place to be, is when you've just kind of given up on yourself. But what happened is, and what often happens in our life, is God pursues us. Did you know God is always pursuing us, yes or no? He's pursuing, and he was pursuing this man, and, 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 and things got all turned around in this man's life, and this is the whole message in a nutshell because of one relationship, one strategic relationship turned this man, who we all know, completely around. His name is Moses. Everybody say, Moses. Moses. Maybe you say it like, you know, like the Charlton Heston movie, Moses. Moses. From the burning bush. So here's the backdrop. We're going to study two key scriptures. A New Testament and an Old Testament. They kind of compare and contrast. Acts chapter 7 and Exodus chapter 2 is the story of Moses. And and, and Moses was born, as you know, uh, a Hebrew slave. He was born into a season and time where uh, the Israelites were being persecuted by the Egyptians. And um, prior to this persecution, there was a blessed time. Joseph, some of you guys. some of you guys know the... The, the fathers of our faith, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had a son, Joseph. Joseph was, you know, the coat of many colors. He was sold into slavery. And then he to, he kind of was in the, you know, different places and stages, the pit. You know, he was in prison. He was in the palace. And then he was in, you know, he was the prince of the whole thing, second in command of the whole Uh, uh, nation of Egypt, the most powerful nation on the earth, and when he came to power, it was because of these amazing gifts that God had given him, and he was instrumental in helping the world, which was in a season of famine, kind of be fed, and so uh, everybody came to Egypt, and he brought his own people, his family, and all the Israelites into Egypt to take care of them. And it was a blessed time. In fact, Egypt prospered. All the wealth of the world was transferred into Egypt, and Egypt became super influential on the planet, which was really just setting up kind of a home run hit for what God was going to do on the earth as Israel, the exodus of the people out of Egypt, made the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob be known on the whole planet. That's just a little sidebar and shows how God's always working in a strategic way. But Joseph... um, made the people uh, of, of Israel, the Hebrews, blessed. But the Bible says that another king came into power, and he didn't remember or recognize Joseph. He's like, I don't, I don't know about Joseph. It doesn't matter anymore. And as a result, the favor that was on the Israelites suddenly was gone. But the Israelites continued to prosper in this way. They multiplied. They were growing. In other words, they have having babies and babies and babies and lots of babies. And so the Egyptians, in order to control this threat, enslaved the people. But that wasn't even working. They continued to multiply it even more. And so eventually this this pharaoh, uh, this king over the nation of the earth, basically said, hey, we're going to have to do something about this. We're going to have, like, population control. And and, and so all the mothers with children under a certain age, baby boys, uh, they're going to have to abandon those babies. It was a terrible time, terrible season. Moses comes out of that time. Is everybody tracking with me? And so I'm going to read from Acts chapter 7 because you're going to see this story In a New Testament context, spoken through the first martyr, Stephen. Stephen was the first Christian who was killed for his faith. And he was actually talking in this particular text to a bunch of religious scholarly people, experts in the law and Old Testament. And when he's talking to them, he's telling them what they know. And But he's, he's doing it with kind of a toot. I think, he was, I think his words were inflammatory because they were experts in the law. As, and you can see that from the context of the story. They weren't very happy. But in Acts chapter 7, verse 20, look at it with me. It says, at that time, everybody say that time. That's when the babies were being persecuted and, and, and people were being persecuted, excuse me, and babies were being abandoned. It says, at that time, Moses was born. His parents cared for him at home for three months. He was only with his biological parents for three months. When they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. So there's a lot of detail being skipped here, but you know, Moses was in the river. Pharaoh went down the river and retrieved Moses from the river. That's just not being stated, but this is an accelerated version. Stephen's trying to get to the point. So uh, Moses was taught all the, ways, all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and here's something so new that popped at me that I'm going to build something on in just a little while. He was, Moses, was powerful in both speech and action. One day when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. He saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to that man's defense and avenged him and killed the Egyptian. Not a good decision. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. The next day he visited them again and saw two men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Men, he said, you are brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you ruler and judge over us? When Moses heard that, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. Here's what's going on here. At an early age, we can see Moses was called by God. He had a purpose. He had a plan for his life. He, he knew inside him, we can see from the context of this and other places, that he was called to rescue people, be a deliverer. But how many know he went about it the wrong way? And I submit to you, he went about it the wrong way because he was surrounded by the wrong people. He was surrounded by the wrong people. And as a result of the wrong relationships that were in his life, he ran from his destiny, and his life began to spiral out of control to the point skipping ahead where he wandered in the desert for 40 years how many know that's a long time a generation he's wandering and I think just personalizing this many people in this room many people listening online are that way in their faith God's called you to do something great God has a purpose and a plan for your life the Bible tells us in Jeremiah but many of us wandering in the desert Many of us have, have, have been sidelined, somehow gotten you know, sidetracked, maybe because of the relationships that we have around us, and I submit to you that has a lot to do with what's going on in our life today. All that goes wrong in our life, a lot of it, a lot of it, most of it has to do with wrong relationships in our life. When the devil wants to ruin your life, he'll put the wrong relationships in your life to ruin your life, yes or no? So I want to give you some characteristics, some observations of this particular scene that we can kind of apply to our life. When we surround ourselves with the wrong people, the first thing we do is we make mistakes. We make mistakes when we're with the wrong people. I think few people, maybe some, wake up and plan to do stupid things. You're probably like, no, one or two people, okay? Okay. If they're sitting in this room, don't look at them, okay? But for the most part, nobody wakes up and is like, I want to be an idiot. I want to do something stupid that ruins my life, right? No, it doesn't happen. Nor does the devil show up on your front door in a pitchfork in a red suit and say, I'm here to destroy you, okay? So there's obviously a more strategic plot and plan to your demise than that. But Moses, in his case, he was actually trying to do something good. His intentions were good. He just went about it. How many know the wrong way? In other words, behind the killing of the Egyptian was a righteous, not righteous, it was an indignation, an anger, but it had, there was a righteous cause behind that. Is everybody with me? Okay. So he, that's wrong. They've been mistreated. They're being oppressed. They're, they're well, that's not. They have value to God. Da, da, da. But he went about it the wrong way. Now, I think he was lacking leadership. I think he didn't have a mentor in his life that would have prevented that in the first place and say, Mo, I know you're called of God. I know you have a plan for your life. uh, But if you want to be a deliverer, there's some steps to that. We need to go kind of through this process. Or Or if there was a leader in his life, a mentor in his life, and he made the mistake, he would have pulled him aside, Mo, Mo, hey, ho, ho, Mo, ho. Listen, yo. I got more, but anyway, I'll stop. If you want to be successful, listen, if you, if you feel like you're called to be a deliverer, it's, your, your, your mantra can't be, murderer, follow me. It can't, it's not going to work. It's not, it's not going to sell tickets. It's not going to do a good job. So we're going to have to, we got some work to do on that. See, because nobody was investing in him, his, he, he could have right motives, but he'll continue to make wrong decisions. And we have a lot of people in this room, and and, and me included in that, that have good motives, but sometimes we make wrong decisions. Why? Because of wrong relationships in our life. And then what happens is the devil comes in on the other ear. We're listening to the wrong ear here with certain people in our life. Then when we make those mistakes, then the other voice comes in the devil and says, Now, you called of God, you, you are disqualified. You are now ineligible. Because of your past mistakes, because of what I see in the rearview mirror on you, you are out. You can, you're benched. Is everybody tracking with me? And that's why we have relational environments to help us work through our yesterdays. See, sometimes you don't understand what connect groups are all about. Sometimes I think people have a, just this buffer it's like a force field. Nope, 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 no. Nope. I can't afford to do that. I don't want to do that. I, I know what that's all about. Been there, done that. Maybe you didn't go there and do it the right way. Do you know your, 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 your attitude towards it will affect your outcomes towards it? Your expectation and desire will affect the results and the things that you have in your life. So you're supposed to get into a group, not because of the content, not because of the information, but because of the interaction, because of the conversation. It's there that you begin to grow. In the process of building those relationships, you get to a certain place in your life where you can kind of work through your yesterdays and work through your issues. Pastor, I don't have any issues. That's your issue. (laughs) That's your issue. Pride is keeping you from that. So... Here's the second thing that happens. When we surround ourselves with the wrong people, we get misjudged. We make mistakes, we get misjudged. In other words, the people in our life, if they're the wrong people, they just don't get it. They don't get it. Some people that are in your life, they can be even believers. They don't understand what God wants to do in and through your life. And you need to be careful that you don't have those up too too close and intimate in your life. Because they'll affect the outcomes of your life. See, they didn't see the potential in Moses. That's why I love this passage in the book of Acts, because uh, you can see his motive was right, but the people in his life, they didn't see that at all. It says in verse 25, Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't, even his own. That means your family might not even understand the call of God and the potential that you have within you. I'm not saying you can disown or divorce yourself from your family, but you might have to distance yourself from their influence and giving them your ear. I wonder how many times that has happened in our life. You try to step out and step into your calling, but you're stepped on by people who you've allowed to have audience with you, and it's limited your potential. Doesn't anybody see me? Doesn't anybody understand what God wants to do in my life? And and no, they don't. They don't. They don't see that. And the reason is because we often live by a principle, and and the principle sometimes serves us and sometimes hurts us. We judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge other people by their actions or their behavior, right? And so we need to remember that, that because of this, other people are doing that to us as well. So Moses was judging himself, saying, don't they know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to help. I'm trying to rescue. And they're looking at him saying, dude, you're a rageaholic. Dude, you're a criminal. Like, are you going to kill me too? In other words, they couldn't they were looking at the outside. Thank God that God looks on the heart and not on the outside of our lives. But w- there's some people that God wants to bring into your life that will say, "You know what? I can see past the surface of this the superficial of this person. This this event is does not determine who they are. An event is not a person. It's a moment. An event doesn't make you a failure. It's just a moment in time. But we need people that see that. That was a mistake. Yeah, but that's not who you are. Is everybody tracking with me out there? So when we have the wrong people, though, that are judging us, then it cuts like a knife. It leads to deep wounds in our life. When we surround ourselves with the wrong people, the third thing is we get mistreated. We get mistreated. I, I venture to say there are many people in this room that have been mistreated by people, and this is where it hurts, who we thought were on our team. Who we thought were, 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 were like blood, either relationally or literally. It just doesn't hurt that much unless they're people that we thought were with us. It hurts a lot when we think they are. I need people, and I don't, you, I don't know about you, but you, I think you do. I think you need people that aren't there for you just on your best day. They're there for you on your worst day. They see the best in you, even when the worst in you is currently being manifest. They see your potential. They see the future that God has for you. They're looking at you through the eyes of faith, not through the eyes of failure, moments of time. In verse 26 and 27, it says, The next day, Moses visited them again and saw two men in Israel fighting, and he tried to be a peacemaker, and he said, Brothers, why are you fighting with each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. He mistreated him. Who made you judge and ruler over us? See, Moses was mistreated in two really unique ways. The first one was he was the prince of Egypt and he stuck his neck out for the Israelites, for the Hebrews. And he was trying to create peace. Uh, but they didn't, want his, they didn't want him. They wanted somebody else. They didn't want him. They judged him, they rejected him, and they mistreated him. And that had to hurt. That had to hurt bad. I'm just trying to help. Have you ever tried to help somebody and they reject you? It hurts. But I'll tell you what hurts even more than that. It's kind of a subplot within this particular text, and you have to look at other places. But if you think about it, the, the, the story tells us that when, when Moses did what he did, he killed the Egyptian. Basically, the information eventually surfaced to the leadership. It actually got to Pharaoh. And when Pharaoh heard about it, he, he issued a warrant for Moses' arrest and that he would be killed. They say, well, well, hey, he killed somebody. That's the law. You know, justice had to be served. Hey, hey, listen, listen, listen. Think about this, though. Moses was taken out of the river by Pharaoh's daughter. Moses, in essence, was the Pharaoh's, Pharaoh was his, his grandfather. He was, his, he was adopted, his adopted grandson. Moses lived with the Pharaoh for 40 years. Just imagine that breakfast in the Pharaoh's court, lunch, dinner, going in the chariot with the Pharaoh, going down to the Nile, fishing with the Pharaoh. Fishing with the Pharaoh. There's a song somewhere in there. They were close. They were intimate. This was a relationship. Now, what he did was wrong, but when he heard the news, you would hope, you would want, you would want your grandfather to say, you know what? I I understand the law. I understand the implications. This is serious, and I'm not trying to skirt the law, but bring Moses to me. Bring Mo to me. I need to talk to Mo. And when he did, I would think he'd be like, Mo, what, what are you thinking? What have you done? Help me help you, help me understand what has happened here. Because I, and maybe behind the scenes he would have said, I know my, I know my grandson. And there must be some explanation for what he's done. We, we're family. This is my grandson. I think about grandparents to the grandkids. I mean, it's almost idolatrous how they view their grandchildren. But no, he issued a warrant for his death. Listen, I believe that was the nail in the coffin. That was the final straw. And what happened as a result is Moses, he goes into the desert. Really, with no plans to ever return. I know there are lots of people in this room who've come to crossroads in your life, come to these places in your life. We really needed somebody to stand up for you, and they didn't. You were left out, kind of hung out to dry, as it were. And those things hurt. And I want you to know something. The reason I'm telling you this is because... There's something bigger going on here. This is the devil's attack on your life. You need to understand something. In fact, if these things have happened to you and you understand them and you identify with them and maybe they're even your current reality, he, the devil's not just trying to hurt that one relationship. He's trying to hurt the legacy of relationships. He's trying, to, he's trying to get you totally picked off from the purpose and plan of your God that will influence many other people and their relationships in the process. He wants to isolate you in the desert. And so you're so discouraged and so, so dismayed that you just want to give up altogether. The plot of the devil is bigger, and it was big for Moses as well. That's true for us. If it's true for him, it's true for us. Those mistakes where you messed up, those misjudgments where you were misunderstood... And those people who mistreated you, those were all this concerted effort of the enemy, the strategic attack and plan to disconnect you, to get you to give up on yourself. Let's go back to the story, though. So we're going to move ahead to Exodus chapter 2. But Moses is now, he's in the desert, and he's, and he's wandering. Again, at this point in time, get this, he's 80 now, 40 years of wandering. He's filled with insecurities. He's filled with issues. I mean, he's, he's really not the same person. Some of you are not the same person you were when you found the Lord, when you were serving the Lord with your whole heart, strength, soul, and might. Some of you are in that place right now. And so what God does, and he always does, is he pursues. And in this case, he, he, he pursues Moses, and he speaks to Moses through a burning bush. This, you know the story, the burning, non-burning, burning, non-burning bush. In other words, it just kept burning, but it never burnt up, right? Right? And so Moses, get this, is talking to a bush. Now, you know things are bad when you're arguing with a shrub. Okay? Things are pretty bad, okay? And so he talks to the shrub, and he's going back and forth with the shrub, and he basically says something that blew my mind, and all of a sudden the contrast came to me. He tells the bush, he says, I am not a good speaker, and I never have been. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't we read, didn't Stephen say in Acts chapter 7 that Moses 40 years before was mighty in speech and actions? In other words, Moses 40 years ago could draw a crowd. Moses could inspire the many through his words. But because he'd been wandering, because he got isolated into the desert, he didn't even know who he was. He had forgotten his abilities and his talents that were given to him by God. He was not the same person he given up on himself. And I think that's many of us. I think some of you are just like to, that today. You are given you've given up. You don't I'm not equipped. I can't do that. I'm not able to do that. The thing that God has called you to do and you're just you're just wandering in the wilderness and you're arguing with a bush arguing with God. And so the, all these voices over so long and so much time has convinced you that you are not gifted to do what God has called you to do. And God's talking to Moses through this bush and, and Moses keep gives, him, gives him his problems, tries to stump him and God has a great answer for him. G- Moses gives his insecurities, he gives his problems, God has a great answer for him. And it doesn't satisfy Moses. Uh, nothing seems to turn it around until God says one thing that changed anything. He basically said, Moses, 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 I'm going to send you a relationship. I'm going to send you a relationship and everything's going to change. Listen, the only reason we saw the mighty acts of Moses, the only reason we even use his name today, the only reason we even read the books of the law today is because of a relationship that came into Moses' life. And I'm going to prove it to you. Church, you could be one, listen, this is the point. You could be one relationship away, one relationship away from unlocking the destiny God has in your life. Well, Peter, you might say, well, that's true for Moses, but I don't know if it's true for me. i tell you what, it's true for me. I'll tell you what, it's true for me. I-, I-, I promise you before God, before God, I would not be standing here today if it wasn't for one key relationship that has kept me from being an idiot, being foolish, making mistakes, giving into my emotions, giving in t- and failing in my character, stumbling as a father, as a husband, as a pastor. It's my wife, it's my wife, Stacy. I wouldn't make it without my wife, Stacey. I wouldn't be standing here today. This church wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for one relationship. That's truth. That's, that's about the man. The message, the minister, there was one relationship 18 years ago. I, 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 I don't know how it happened. I don't get it. I was at a conference with thousands of people, and I crossed path with one person, and he took us out to eat. Pastor Chris Hodges, who currently now is a close friend, he's my overseer, and he's my pastor. And many conversations since then where I wanted, I'm being honest, I wanted to quit. I couldn't do it. I couldn't couldn't live up to the expectations. I couldn't live up to the demands. I couldn't live up to the responsibility. You might just think I pray, read my Bible, and show up on Sundays, but there's a little more to it than that. And I just wanted out. And this man believed in me. He said, you know what, the pressure, you know, don't worry about it. If, If it doesn't work, you'll always have a job. You'll always have a job with me. I'll take care of you. You don't have to worry about that. But I believe in you. I believe that God has called you to do great things in New England. You are married. You're in covenant with that church. You are connected to that area and God's gonna do great and mighty things through you through that church. And you know what? Hundreds, thousands of lives have been changed over 24 years of ministry because of one relationship for the man and one relationship for the ministry changed my life. And I can't imagine What one relationship could do in each of your lives if you had the right person in your life? How many people could be influenced? How many, what kind of generation could go forward that could be changed forever because you had the right relationship in your life to help you through that? How do you find that? Look at Exodus chapter four, verse 14. It says, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. He, He, you know, God would get a little upset once in a while. I'm tired of your excuses. Now, God wasn't like me Because if it was me, I would have burned Moses to a crisp right then. He would have been crispy chicken. You know what I mean? Like, see you later. But no, God just got a little upset. And then he said, he said, Moses, I know what you need. You need a relationship. What about your brother Aaron, the Levite? Listen to this. He says, I know he can speak well. He's already actually on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if uh, he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. Let me give you three characteristics about the Aaron relationship God wants to bring into your mouth, your life, and, and, work, through your, and work through your mouth and work through your behaviors and all that. God wants to do something like that with you. Aaron and, and Moses were brothers, I think Aaron, was the, he was the elder brother, and so he, he was protected from that persecution. And so they were separated, really, from birth. But God miraculously brought them, reunited them together. And the things that we have seen since because of this strategic relationship are amazing. But Aaron brought something to the table Moses didn't have. Here's the first one. People who are your Aaron relationship, they're gifted in areas you are not. They're gifted in areas you are not. Moses lost His identity. He lost as a result even his ability to communicate. But Aaron was a great communicator. According to verse 6, he could speak to the people for him. He was the mouthpiece. Listen, you all have limitations. Some of us, as people, we forget we have limitations with our time. We live like time is limitless and resources are limitless, and they're not. But the same is true of your abilities. You will not be a 10 in every area. You're a 10 in some area, but not every area. In somebody else who's a 10, God wants to partner with you in your 10 to accomplish 100 times more than you could do by yourself. Is everybody tracking with me? He wants to multiply himself through you by strategic relationships and alignments. And God never wanted to make a difference through a person. He's always, in the economy of God, want to make a difference through a people. That's why when you look at the Old Testament, it's not Moses, it's Israel that he wanted to do something great. But it started with Moses, it aligned himself with Aaron, and as a result, he did something through these tribes, through these people, and it changed the whole earth. And in the New Testament, God wants to do something not through just one individual, one disciple, one man. Jesus got out of there so that many people would be able to change the earth, and the church of Jesus Christ became the answer and hope for the world. Is everybody with me? This is so important that you see this. But each of us have to give our gift to God, our unique and special work. Ephesians 4.16 says he makes the whole body fit together as each part does its special work. You all have a special work to do. But I can promise you, you're not supposed to do all the work. You're not supposed to do that work by yourself. You're supposed to do that work with other people. And when you do, it says it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Do your own special work, but do not do it alone. Do it with the right people. The litmus test of the Aaron relationships that God wants to bring into your life is they will complement your gifts, not compete with your gifts. Write that down. They'll complement, not compete with you. See, we don't need people in our lives who are trying to get a one-up on us to capitalize on our weaknesses, Show us up? That's not an Aaron relationship. I know the story of guys, uh, four guys, they went camping. They're camping out in the wilderness, and and, and they're they're eating, and all of a sudden, a black bear comes out of the woods, and of course, he smells the food, and he starts running after them. And they all start taking off, but one of the guys gets down on his knees, and he starts to tie his shoes, his tennis shoes. And his buddy says, what are you doing, man? That's not going to do any good. We can't outrun the bear. And this guy says, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you. See, see, see. you don't want to be running with people who are trying to outrun you. Yeah. That's just going to hurt your relationships. Ephesians 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands fights like Chuck Norris. I mean, is not quickly broken. All right? You need people that will stand back to back with you and fight with you and support you and believe in you. Here's the second thing. Are you enjoying this, everybody? Yes. The second thing is uh, the Aaron relationships are moving in the same direction. The God direction. In other words, you want to this is true of marriage, this is true in, in business, this is true in friendships, you want to have vision alignment with your assignment. You need to know what your assignment is in God, you need to find your purpose. That's why we do next steps. Our step three is to help you figure out what is your assignment, what is your purpose in life. But when you figure that out, do the people that are coming into your life, are they aligned with that assignment? Are they aligned with that purpose? Are they moving in the same direction? Or if not, they will begin to interrupt that direction and get you off course and get you off track. In verse four of this first part, it says, He's, Aaron was already on his way to meet Moses. In other words, before Moses even realized what was going on, God behind the scenes was setting the table orchestrating an intersection of relationships before Moses even began to realize it. God was calling Aaron from where he was to align himself with where Moses was. Isn't this amazing? Before Moses ever saw the bush on fire, before Moses ever heard the call of God to go back and be a deliverer, God was pulling Aaron into the same direction, not the same lane, but side by side. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 these are the kind of people we don't want to be around. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue, instead, these are the right people, righteousness, faith, love, and peace, alongside, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. See, you need people who are running in the right direction because if they're not running in the right direction, they'll cut in on you, trip you up. Paul's talking to the church in Galatia. He says in chapter 5, verse 7, he says, you were running a good race. In other words, you knew your assignment. Good job. Good job. You knew your purpose. You figured it out. Way to go. But then he says, who cut in on you? He's talking about a person. In other words, you can know your purpose as Moses did. You can be moving in the direction that you should be. And somebody can cut into your lane and mess you up. I used to run track for a little while when I was uh, in middle school. And I used to run the 100-yard dash. And, and we, used, we were taught. I had a good coach for a little while there until I started losing. No, just kidding. Um, but you had to practice a certain rhythm of breathing, a certain cadence, a certain stride. But man, you have to stay in your lane. When we start turning that corner, you know, it can get very competitive. And somebody came over and to cut in on you over into your lane, they can trip you up and ultimately you can fail. Paul is saying that's the same thing that can happen in relationships. You want to make sure somebody's coming alongside you, they're not cutting over into your lane to trip you up and get ahead of you. Are you tracking everybody? This is important. Are you in relationships, kind of the litmus test that this is what it should be. Is the relationship helping you or is it hindering you? They're helping or are they hindering you? You need these key relationships in order to be successful. So there are people in order to have that Aaron relationship, that gifts that you don't, you need those. There are people in order to have these Aaron kind of relationships that strategically can change the course of your life and lives of others. They have to be moving in the same direction. And lastly, lastly, I love this one. They're happy to be involved in your life. They're happy to be involved in your life. Exodus chapter 4, verse 14, it says, speaking of Aaron, and he will be glad to see you. He will be glad to see you. I'm learning something about life. First of all, life is short, and I don't want to invest in relationships with people who are not happy to do life with me. Hello? Like, that just seems like a big, colossal waste of time. And since we have a limited amount of time and resources, man, we better make sure that we are, especially those intimate relationships, those people you're gonna spend a lot of time with in your life, you need people who are excited about what God is doing in your life. The reason that we have church planters that are coming into this church is because we're excited about what God is doing in their life. We are pouring into them. We are investing in them. We are celebrating C3 Church. We are celebrating the refuge. We are celebrating all the Ark Church plants all over the country. That, that's Those are the kind of people that you want to run with and vice versa. They're celebrating what's happening at Connect. They're celebrating what's happening and you can personalize it. I have people that are celebrating what's happening in my life. Those are the people that are the errands in your life. You don't need these. Remember the Gulliver's Travel the cartoon? Yes, no. Gentlemen, I was raised on cartoons. Anybody? Yep. It's my second education. It was free. But there used to be this, this cartoon called Gulliver's Travels and there was this one guy quiet glum. He was always in the back And he was always like, whatever initiative was taking place by Gulliver, Quiet Glum would be, We're doomed. We're not going to make it. And he just had his whiny voice, I don't think it's possible. You You don't want those people in your immediate sphere of influence. You need people who are selflessly serving you. How can I make you successful? How can I build you up? How can I encourage you? This is in your notes. They are sacrificial, not superficial. They're not aligning themselves with you for the advantages that you bring to them. They want to bring, add value and advantage to you. That's an Aaron relationship. Jesus said it this way in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that he make a sacrifice, lay down his life for his friends. No doubt Aaron had plans, dreams, a vision for his life. And yet God spoke to him and he responded and aligned himself with another man, another person. And that combined vision accomplished more than he could ever do by themselves. I wonder how many times you've sold yourself short because you've allowed intimate relationships to have your ear and bend and manipulate the plan of God in your life to keep you from the destiny that he has for you. You could be one relationship away from your life being completely different. I I want you to do something. I want you to just put your notes away for a second. Just be still for a second. In fact, I'm going to leave you sitting there for a second. Would everybody just close your eyes for a minute? Who is that person? Listen, listen to my voice. Who is that person? Think about this. Who is that person that inspires you? Is there a person in your life that inspires you to greatness? Is there a person in your life, they believe in you. They see the goodness, the greatness in you. They see the potential in you. Who is that person that stands back to back with you instead of abandons you? Who is that one person that has the talents, the gifts that you don't have? and I don't know, something about the two of you together. It's just, it's different, it's better. Who is that person that has a vision like yours that's supposed to be aligned with you? We have a way for you to find that if you don't have that. It's in group, it's in connections with other people. It's not the end point, it's the entry point. This message is my vision for this church, is to get people to a place at some point where they connect with a person, an Aaron-type relationship, And it's there that transformation takes place. And lives are changed, not just yours, but others in the process. So I just want to say as your pastor, I'm not trying to build some kind of small group empire. I'm trying to help you find the purpose and plan of God for your life. But you have to open up your heart. You have to decide to make a change. You have to decide to get outside of the way you're looking at things and realize that one relationship literally could change your life, and to find that, you have to be in the right environment for that to take place. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, please, just honor the people that are around you. And those that are listening online, I would say this to you. The Bible tells us that uh, there's one person that sticks closer than a brother, and is even, a, even closer than Aaron was to Moses. There's one person that sticks closer than a brother, and the Bible says his name is Jesus. Jesus. In other words, the horizontal relationships in your life that are not working out they're not doing so great. They're not, they, they, they need to be sorted out. They need to be sorted out because the vertical relationship needs to be established and made right first. In fact, it wasn't until Moses heard the voice of God that he found and connected with Aaron, his brother. You have to hear the voice of God. Is the voice of God in your ear? Do you feel like he knows you and you know him? And if you do not, I can't wait to introduce you to him. This is your opportunity to make that connection with him. Maybe you've never done that before, and if you've never done that before, this is your chance to make that connection. If you make this connection, the most amazing connections, most amazing intersections of relationships will begin to unfold as you surrender your life to the most important person, Jesus. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. Would you pray for me, Pastor? Good night. I don't want to miss it. Good night. God bless you. God bless you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't want to miss it. Thank you. Thank you. Several places all over the room. Thank you. You can put your hands down. That's great. Would you pray this prayer with me, those that raise your hand? Church, would you pray this prayer? Everybody else, would you join me in this? Sincerely say this from your heart. Say, Jesus, I want to be in right standing with you vertically so I can be in right relationship with people horizontally. I can't fix it by myself, but I choose this day to fix my eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame. And today is seated at the right hand of God. Let me say this to you, and you listen. And he stands up right now for every single person from heaven and looks at you and says, yes, that's my son. Yes, that's my daughter. Because they said yes to me in this life, they will be with me for eternal life. And I want to commend you for that. And all the angels rejoice in heaven because you made that decision. Because you chose to come to him, he will come into your life and he'll bring other people into your life That will change your life forever. In Jesus' name. Let's all give the Lord a big hand clap. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for your attention, everybody. God bless you.